Hello and welcome to a Sustainable Wine podcast with me, Toby Webb, introducing our initial session from the Future of Wine Forum, which was held on 26th and 27th of November 2020 as a virtual conference. Our event sponsors were the British Standards Institution, Chateau Lube, Concha y Toro, DM France and Control Union. Thank you to all of you for your support. And in this opening discussion, which is about an hour long, you'll hear Richard Banfield, MW, moderate a session on the opportunities created by COVID-19 for the wine industry. The speakers feature Jancis Robinson, MW, Sam Linter, Managing Director and Chief Winemaker of Bolney Estates, Simon Doyle, General Manager of Concha y Toro UK, and Joan Esteve Julia, Director of Sella Rimat from Spain. And you'll hear now Richard Bamfield guide them through a conversation uh, about COVID and the wine industry. So please enjoy and do check back uh, on sustainablewine.co.uk or search for us on your podcast channels to subscribe. Well, I'm now going to pass over to Richard Bamfield, um, MW. Um, Richard is a uh, uh, interested in all aspects of wine, uh, particularly sustainability. He's been a real uh, advocate and assistant and supporter of ours uh, over the years. So, Richard, um, thank you for moderating our first panel, and I shall pass over to you for, for introductions in the first session. So, thank you, and Richard, over to you. Thank you, Toby, and uh, good morning and welcome. I do feel highly privileged to be launching proceedings with this session on, possibly predictably, how COVID has changed the wine industry. This poses our first challenge, of course, how to squeeze into 60 minutes a topic that has exercised our minds for most of the last eight months. Fortunately, I am joined by four panellists from different sectors of the trade who are perfectly qualified to share their insights. In a minute, I will ask each of them to introduce themselves. Then we will move on to the meat of the discussion. And all being well, we should have at least 20 minutes for uh, questions at the end. Do please share your comments and questions in the, the chat box. I will do my best to get to all of them, but given the large numbers attending, uh, do please forgive me if we cannot reach them all. Who knows? It might provide, provide material for future conferences. Anyway, without further ado, Jantis Robinson, would you like to just introduce yourself to the audience? I am a wine writer. I spend most of my time feeding JancisRobinson.com and I have a weekly column in the Financial Times and I've written a few books too. <laughs> you have indeed. And you did, in the very early days of COVID, take a rather wonderful initiative, bringing together uh, merchants who were supplying online and thirsty drinkers out there, thirsty wine drinkers. It was the idea of our Italian specialist, Walter Speller, and on the 19th of March, we decided that we should uh, have a long directory of everybody who would deliver to self-isolators. And in the first 18 hours, we had hundreds. We've ended up with about a thousand around the world. That's terrific. And, uh, we that's had, and, and we made sustainability the focus of our writing competition this year as well. So we're... We're very focused on sustainability. You have been, indeed. Um, Joanne Esteve from RIMAT, welcome. Delighted to see you here. Could you just introduce yourself a moment? Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to thank uh, the organization this opportunity to be here because it's uh, really nice to share our, our experience. Uh, I am the manager of uh, RIMAT Winery, which uh, belongs to the Codorneu Group. 
is the oldest company in Spain and one of the oldest in the world. So you can imagine that uh, only a sustainable company after so many years uh, can be still there. No? And uh, Raimat is quite unique and quite special because it's a huge uh, farm that is uh, close to Lleida in Catalonia. And uh, sustainability has been one of our issues uh, from its beginning, more than 100 years already. And, um, well, just uh, thank you again and nice to share our experience. Excellent. Well, delighted you could be with us and uh, look forward to coming back to you in a, in, in a, in a short time. And Sam Linter from uh, Bolney Estate in Sussex, one of my favourite English vineyards. Sam, tell us a little bit about, about yourself and Bolney. Thanks, Richard. Um, we are a, uh, I'm a manager director, but mainly head winemaker at Bolney. It's my passion. And we're a family business that's been around uh, since 1972, which is uh, quite early for, for English vineyards. Um, going on the sustainability theme, well, there's something that, that we've been doing at Bolney, uh, and we have a, an ethos that we, we talk about here in the company and wider that we're guided by nature. So we, we, we try to do everything here as much as we can in a guided by nature theme. And we've been uh, part of the inaugural YNGB sustainability scheme as well. So we're on that, that committee helping to build that. So that's quite important to us too. But we make still and sparkling wine. We love it. We've been here for a very long time and we hope to be here for a lot longer. That's, that's good to hear. I must say, as you know, I've known Bolney for a long time and I do feel that, the, that, that your progress and advances over the years, is it mirrors that of the industry and you've, you've led by terrific example, it has to be said. Yeah, um, and, and Simon Doyle from Conchitoro. Simon, if you could just introduce yourself. Yeah, morning Richard and morning everybody. Um, I'm the general manager of Conchitoro UK which is a uh, wholly owned subsidiary of Conchitoro SA, the holding company, which in turn is a, a Chilean-based wine group that distributes a number of brands globally, owns and distributes a number of brands globally. Um, our, our role in the UK is really to develop and distribute those brands uh, through the key routes to market. And the brands you might recognize that Conchitoro own um, are Casalero del Diablo from Chile, and Trevento from, that's the one with the devil on the neck, and Trevento from Argentina. We do also have representation with the Fetza Wine Group in California too. So we're truly an America's supplier to the UK market and, and around the world. Excellent. Well, it's great to have you here. I know from a personal point of view, because I do quite a lot of education, it, it is always nice to know there are certain wines you can show at tastings, which you know are going to over-deliver in terms of quality. And I think you do that extremely well. That's okay. a great endorsement, Richard. Thank you. I'm glad that's been recorded. <laughs> <laughs> right. On to, the, on, to, on to the meaty stuff now. Um, Chances, I, I suspect that you've travelled as far virtually in recent months as you normally would in a, in a real year. And I know you've kept in touch with a wide range of producers and merchants. Um, could you just comment on what you think the key COVID-driven changes have been over the last eight months? Well, you told me, Richard, that you wanted to, me to concentrate on the positives, which is definitely a subsection of <laughs> the effects of COVID. So I started off um, with the hospitality sector, which, of course, has really, of all the sectors, been the hardest hit. 
And I asked our son, who owns three restaurants, whether there had been any positives from the whole COVID experience. And he yelled down the phone, no. Um, certainly hasn't been fun for restaurateurs. There's an argument that says restaurant staff have had a bit more time if they've actually had a, a, some sort of income to perhaps uh, upgrade their education and their skills. Also, he pointed out that the punter, the general consumer, has possibly, because doing all their drinking at home, been uh, trading up a little bit with their wines. Um, good wine has been more accessible, but of course the consumer has now learnt what retail prices for all the wines that mm. they've been drinking in restaurants are, uh, which it may have a, a, a downside for restaurateurs in the future. In the trade, uh, it certainly sorted out the nimble from the more moribund. Um, obviously, people who had already uh, hugely efficient and effective uh, e-commerce operations, such as in the UK, Lathwaite's and the Wine Society had a huge jump in trade, so much so at the Wine Society, they actually stopped um, taking orders for quite a while, while they were putting in place uh, social distancing among their staff. Uh, E-commerce suddenly became hugely important. So it was very good for software owners and developers. Uh, apparently, the, the shares of uh, the Canadian-owned Shopify have tripled in value since mid-March. And also the likes of Etsy and eBay have done very, very well. It's also been good for IT-savvy employees who could, often young, who could help their older, greyer colleagues fight their way through the jungle of, of e-commerce. It's been very good for couriers, especially in the early days when th there was uh, hardly any traffic on the road, so they could really make progress, unlike usually, say, in London. Um, and it's actually um, provided all this, this delivery business has actually provided the poor old black cab drivers with an alternative source of income because they certainly aren't getting many fares at the moment. But I would be very interested in a sustainability comparison between all this courier business now and the old patterns of shopping in bricks and mortar. And I suspect we're, uh, they're not so, they, they're not so uh, efficient. What is, has been very good is that while all these merchants have been focusing on uh, delivery, they've started to think more, I think, about um, packaging. I'm thinking packaging of bottles. And I think quite a lot of them have been looking and comparing different systems. And I know from my point of view, I'm getting much more sustainable cartons than I ever used to do. Um, and so that's, that's been a good thing from the point of view of our sustainability focus. I know that um, for the warehouse people, uh, life has been very tough because um, there's been just much less trade. People who are dealing with supermarkets have been okay. Uh, and there's been a dramatic increase in demand for mixed cases, which has ne needed a lot of um, uh, staff input. Uh, but overall, I believe the, the warehouse, the logistics people are down because there's just a huge chunk of especially hospitality trade that, that they've lost. The people who have really benefited, and I would cynically say perhaps didn't need to quite as much, uh, is the fine wine trade. Because come March, the um, value, this is in the UK, uh, the value of the pound plummeted against the dollar and particularly against the Hong Kong dollar. So they were swamped with orders and continue to do really well selling fine wine, particularly in Asia, which has actually kept COVID better under control. 
Um, they also had the, the fine wine trade was boosted unexpectedly by, as you know, this, the very successful 2019 Bordeaux en Primeur campaign, which was probably helped by the fact that everyone was at home sitting on their computers and, um, you know, have, thinking, OK, I'll have a punt um, buying online and, uh, and investing in young Bordeaux. Their only blip in the fine wine trade apparently has been sales of big bottles, which, surprise, surprise, people are not opening, you know, double magnums at the moment. Supermarkets, I think, have increased their share because they, certainly in the UK, and I think most places in the world were allowed to stay open when the small specialist retailers were not, um, which is a bit unfair because they were in a very strong position already um, and their wine supplies were kept busy. Um, so from the consumer point of view, there was much less handling of individual bottles and more buying from online images and descriptions. So much less human contact, which is a shame. Um, it's been good for wine websites, I can, I can say, but um, <clears throat> massive increase in online tastings, which we hardly knew before last March. Um, and it's amazing how flexible some people have been in organizing online wine tastings. Um, a shout out for 67 Pall Mall, who everybody says have really organized things beautifully. Um, Zoom, of course, it's been a, a boon for Zoom and we've all learned how to um, handle it and other um, similar platforms. But of course, um, I suppose one big thing from the point of positive uh, is that the, the lack of travel, the way, we, we, you know, air, airlines have suffered enormously, but the atmosphere and carbon emissions have benefited enormously. But for a writer, wine writer like me, not traveling is um, difficult. I've had to completely rejig my life, um, even not traveling within, say, central London, because we're not very keen on public transport. So instead of me going to the wine, the wine comes to me. And I guess that the manufacturers of small bottles um, are, have been doing very, very well while from benefiting from all these um, Zoom online tastings. But I think everyone has been thinking more about sustainability and wine packaging as opposed to cartons, but actual what container do you put the wine in? So there's been a lot more thought about alternatives to 75 centilitre glass, I would say, which is probably a good thing for, this, for the sake of the planet. Um, I think just generally, I'm nearly at the end, COVID has encouraged reflection and a it's been a time for reassessment of all sorts of aspects of, of the wine trade. So and that um, the Black Lives Matter movement has, of course, uh, in encouraged new thought and the, the whole sexual harassment cases that have come up in the, the US. So I would say that, that one positive is that the wine trade has become much more conscious of the need for diversity and inclusion, which it, it was pretty ignorant of before. Um, and I think I'll end now because I'm sure I've missed something which um, some, one of my fellow speakers will um, point out. Thanks. Excellent start. Thank you very much. Just one quick question. For, for someone like you and other wine writers, would it be helpful if in future there was a mix of physical and virtual tastings? Because virtual tastings do enable better use of time, probably. Very much so. Personally, I don't think um, wine tasting is a spectator sport. Um, and uh, a, Zoom, a Zoom tasting hosted by one producer launching one wine is not a very good 
um, time efficient um, <laughs> exercise, I have to say. I'm afraid I'm, I'm pretty picky about my, my online tastings. Okay. But right. I'm trying to get back to physical tasting. <laughs> yes, I'm sure, as are we all. Very true. Excellent, thank you. Joanne, um, just to rhyme at, obviously you're a, you're a producer. I'd be really interested to know how COVID has uh, affected your business, both in terms of production and sales, uh, domestic and export. Yeah. Um, well, our, our experience uh, during these times, which is uh, being quite hard, uh, because RIMAT depends uh, quite a bit on on trade uh, market. So uh, suddenly we went to 100 to zero, and and uh, for us it represents more or less around 40 percent of of our sales. So it's it's important market for us. And in addition, uh, the flight companies where we used to provide the wine to. So um, the first. I would distinguish like two stages in from the uh, production or vineyard and, and winery point of view. One was from the lockdown to harvest and another one was from harvest to now, which uh, when you start harvest, everything changes and your mind is in other places than just uh, uh, solving this kind of <laughs> structural problems. No? Uh, the, the first stage... Um, the, of course, the, the first one or the first steps were to protect our people. So uh, giving all kind of uh, tools, rules, or regulations, uh, tests. We made tests for everybody. We separate the people in spaces where they cannot contaminate themselves. So we, we were kind of in panic at, at the beginning. Uh, but sooner by sooner... Um, we start uh, thinking on more business sustainability. And uh, of course, I think that one of the positive things of this, at, at least at that moment, is that we had to rethink many things in the way we were doing them. So in some way, it has been helpful because uh, you have some kind of tradition of doing many things. And, and when you are under pressure and under stress, uh, you start thinking on different ways uh, to be more efficient, uh, of course, we had to freeze all our investments and uh, we had to adapt and, and try to cost uh, to cut cost in, in, the, in the best way as possible. No? Uh, so uh, that part, uh, it was, as I said, uh, be a, a little bit uh, problematic for us in trying to sustain the business. No? The second part, when once we started the harvest, um, this in a place like Raimad, where we have a very big farm that is around 2,000 hectares of vineyards and and everything, uh, we end up moving everything to organic. And uh, there, we do all the harvest at night. So there is many people coming to do the harvest, uh, outside people from from the, or the regular people we have in the winery. And uh, at that time in July, in Lleida, in Catalonia, we had, uh, like a regrowth of uh, COVID uh, uh, infections. And we were really scared because uh, several companies like uh, Slaterhouses and others uh, were uh, just uh, shut down because there were too many infection people. And uh, for us, uh, harvest is the most important part of the, the season, of the year. 
And uh, so we, we extreme all the protection rules and, and all the post- we, 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 we did all our best because we were so much sensitive on what we could happen in case we have uh, infections in, in our winery. No? At, at the end, it was, it was uh, good because we had zero, zero positive <laughs> during the whole harvest. And so uh, I guess that part of the instructions we gave uh, were, were useful. Um, well, uh, the the balance of, of everything is is probably well. It, it's it's being a hard year for for the wineries, uh, I guess not only us, but uh, we it helped us in some way in, in organizing things different uh, to do the things in a different way. We we have seen uh, some positive. Uh, Positive feedback uh, from all our all our organic wines in in the off trade market. So we have seen it, it doesn't compensate the on trade sales, but uh, we have seen a very positive um, a reaction on the people. So I think that also this crisis has made people more sensitive, to thinking on on. Um, on the environment, on, on sustainability, on on what's really going on in this world. <laughs> and, and even the, uh, we have noticed a, a closer uh, relationship with, with our uh, stakeholders, no? so uh, with the suppliers, with uh, consumers, and, and a kind of more sensitive world. No? <laughs> this, and this has been more or less our experience during these times. Okay, John, thank you very much. That's uh, good. And let's hope that this uh, apparent interest in sustainability is sustained, because that will certainly be good for Rymat if it is. I'd be interested, I understand you've lost sales to areas like hotels, restaurants and airlines. Have you found new sales channels, either online or yourselves direct to customer as a result of this? Yeah, the the e-commerce uh, has increased like a double or three times more than what we used to sell. But of course, it doesn't compensate uh, the huge volume that, that the on-trade uh, consumes. Uh, we, our main market is uh, Catalonia, where there is a lot of tourism, especially on the coast. And this summer has been a terrible <laughs> season mm. in terms of uh, tourism. So... Um, uh, th- that's a very big volume of, of wine. For, uh, on the other hand, in exports has been quite good. I would say it has been maintained because uh, 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 in all our export markets, we used to sell more in off-trade than on-trade. We, we also have sales in on, especially in US, but that mostly is in off-trade and that has at least helped to maintain the, the sales in exports. Okay, excellent. And would you, just on online and e-commerce, would you agree that in terms of communicating a sustainability message, that's actually quite a good avenue for that? Because there is the opportunity to say more about your initiatives. Yeah, I agree. I agree that um, uh, for when, when we started with organic production like uh, six or seven years ago, it was not clear at all because it was like the eternal promise, no? That it seems that it will come, it will come, but 
nobody cares at all no, at the end. But, but now uh, we have noticed a big change on that. And uh, and putting all these organic wines in the market has helped us uh, a lot, I think. And, and of course, in the e-commerce also helps uh, trans transmitting all that, that uh, feeling, the, that sensitivity to sustainability. Indeed. Okay. All right. Thank you. And as a nature lover, I must admit, I'm very much looking forward to coming to visit you in due course and seeing your new nature reserve, which we see behind you. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Sam, Sam Linter. Um, can you comment on uh, what you found at Bolney in terms of production, harvest, cellar door, uh, which I assume must have been difficult. Um, <laughs> how, did, how has COVID affected your business? Um, Positively and negatively. The negative is uh, a lot of English vineyards will, will sell to, and the majority of what we sell is into the Ontate hospitality, as we know that 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 fell off a cliff and it's been really awful for them. But we've been able to to, to move forward in different ways. Um, Vineyard-wise, vineyards just carry on and do their thing, whatever happens in the world. <laughs> so there's there's some sort of comfort in that, I think, if you have a vineyard, that, that life, to a degree, carries on as normal. Um, we've seen amazing weather this year and uh, it's been dry, it's been sunny, we've had warm evenings through, warm nights through Verizon uh, and a few people have said, and I'm linking back to something Jansa said uh, earlier about uh, the airline industry and, and, um, and the environment, we, we've wondered if that's impacted on the weather and the weather being better throughout the summer months, which has obviously helped with people being in lockdown as well. It's made it a little bit more bearable. But that that's mean the English harvest has actually been quite incredible this year. Uh, ripening wise has been, uh, it's been the best we've ever seen and the earliest harvest we've ever seen as well. So it's, it's been a strange year for us, the year where we've had to go faster, but uh, hard to find agency staff this year. Obviously with lockdown, people weren't really coming over from Eastern Europe in the ways that they were before. So we've actually invested a lot more in mechanicalization here at Bolney, whereas we usually like to use people. Now we, we've got more machinery we're using. Um, that's not the ideal for us, but but it's 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 got us through. So that's been quite an interesting thing for us. Um, as far as uh, uh, keeping people safe has been concerned, obviously vineyards are, are great places for social distancing, wineries less so, and bottling and things like that. But we've we've split our teams into two and, and try to keep people separate as much as we can as well, especially at the important times. You know, harvest, you really want to make sure that uh, there are people around that can jump in if somebody somebody got an infection and then everybody had to self-isolate. So we've thought about that and how we keep the staff and the teams uh, safe as well. Um, going back to to sales though, it's 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 been it's been interesting. Um, we're quite a change orientated company, uh, so we. We actually haven't, we, we did actually, and being a small family business, we're able to turn how we sold around very, very quickly. So we already had a pretty good website. The first thing we did as soon as uh, lockdown happened is we invested a lot in our website and upgrading at that time. And we're just about to launch a brand new site as well. We did a huge amount of work on SEO and we sat down and we looked at it and we thought, okay, what is it that people now want? Where are people going to find our wine from? And one of those was virtual tastings, as, as Jancis was saying. But from a consumer point of view, they've been really popular, especially to the latter end of the year. We actually don't have enough time now to actually facilitate the inquiries we get. I think 
I think we're a little bit too good on our SEO and a little bit too many inquiries, but it's been a really good problem to have. Of course, we're sending full bottles out as well to people. And then you've got people uh, with family and friends where they've got several up to 10 households or more on a Zoom call with us hosting it. And we can do wine and cheese. We'll supply local cheese to them as well. We've done chocolate and wine. We've done cocktail making because we do gin here now as well. So we brought spirits in. And we've, we've actually had a lot of fun doing that as as well as as for our customers too but that's been really good internet for us grew between 700 to a thousand percent in the first lockdown it was huge and yes we did take the time to sit back and look at packaging as well we used to send out in essex because it protected the bottles we don't do that anymore we're now using um we are actually we're using flexi hex now it's great yeah. it works really well it's it's brilliant it's such a good product so we've done a lot of investment in into looking uh, into time into looking at more sustainable practices for the vineyard because we've actually had time to do it's been it's been quieter um so for us and it's about like i said earlier it's about what do people look for now what is it customers look for a lot of people being stuck at home they've not been able to get out we can't go out and celebrate and when we weren't in lockdown that was very limited what you can do and we've just we've just discovered that people are looking for experiences. So how do you give people an online experience? What can we we sell to people that gives them an online experience? They can't come here and do tours in lockdown, but we can do something like that online. So we work really hard on that as well. And that's that's been really interesting for us because we've now looked at that and thought as we come back out into a hopefully some new normal in the future, will that will that digital side of things actually carry on and we think to a degree that it will um it's it's just interesting it's been fascinating for us um anecdotally we've we've found within the trade uh, a lot more of the certainly the smaller independents are actually listing more english wines now so certainly within the uk there there's 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 a this we have seen um, a growing demand uh, for English wine, people supporting locally, um, support for family businesses has, has, has risen in the UK as well. I think uh, the UK customers, UK people are actually looking to support smaller businesses, homegrown businesses, and that's worked very well for us. Obviously, we know the UK is a really good wine market as well. So we're, we're selling into a, an ex- extremely good market. So I think we've been very lucky to be able to do that. So that's worked really well for us um i think for us it's it's been about mechanicalization a little bit which is painful but it's also been about what can we do and what can we do digitally i had not heard of zoom prior to the first lockdown (laughs) now like you say now you feel like you've become a zoom expert bonnie now has several zoom licenses because we can be doing things online with customers um up to sort of four or five different events that were at one time at the moment, especially on a Saturday evening. So that's that's um, been quite interesting for us. We've also seen, uh, it's been interesting, and I'm not sure whether this is about infection rates and, and uh, it, throughout the UK, but we've certainly seen in the Southeast, the Southeast has actually been quite a buoyant market uh, and that's actually kept going quite well. I think there's been more tourism here as well. So I'm not quite sure why that is. And we've, we're trying to work that one out, but there's been a lot more going on and a lot more wine that we're selling in the southeast obviously that's where we're both based only wine estate but more than we've seen in other areas of the country um, so we've seen less wine, less of our wine sold there and more in the southeast which has been interesting and the the um the broader the broader wine industry in the uk 
it's been fascinating. There has been a, a more of a community of winemakers uh, coming together now in the UK with, with, with each other, but also being able to join in on things virtually with the rest of the world and, and learn more things about winemaking and viticulture with people from other countries. That's been happening. That's been led a lot by WineGB, which has been great. Um, people have had time to take part in joining into more things than we've had before. Obviously, like any, uh, any nation, when you've got vineyards, they're all over the countries and people traveling to one destination to come to a seminar or a conference is very difficult. Being able to do that virtually means that more of us have actually joined into to initiatives that are happening. And people have shared best practice more this year as well. People, again, have more time to think about what they're doing. And we've all been working together in a way that haven't really seen before. It's, it's been really heartening. It's, it's, so that's been a really good positive for me. Thanks very much, Sam. It sounds as if you've been able to keep things ticking over pretty well. Uh, so it's great to hear. Um, and, and very good to hear about this, this um, improved sense of community amongst WineGB, amongst other producers and more widely around the world as well. I think that's absolutely true. I think there has been a, a, a strong collective uh, response in some areas. I'm intrigued by the map behind you that looks to me as if it could point out distributors on, uh, on the east, in the eastern United States. That, that is. is one advantage of virtual tastings, of course, that it's much easier to do tastings with distributors and sales teams around the world. Absolutely, yes. And it, it, it's, it's been very easy to do that and communicate. Whereas uh, I might have my sales team out and out traveling a lot. They're actually communicating with more people than they've ever been able to do before by not having to get in the car and, and go and visit people in different areas or, or, or on a plane and going flying over to different areas of the world. So mm. it's been good. Excellent. All right. Thanks very much, Sam. Come back to you in a minute. Thank um, you. Simon, uh, what's, what, can you uh, just uh, describe the, the changes that you've seen in, in your business in the UK over the last eight months? And if relevant, internationally as well, because I'm sure even though you're in charge of the UK, that you're, you're, you know what's going on internationally too. Yeah, uh, I think it's fair to say that strategically not a lot has changed. Our, our focus our has remained um, the same. Uh, operationally, I think, is probably where across all markets there's been major adjustments having to be made, particularly when it comes to managing demand. Um, so whether that's here locally or across uh, the key markets, um, we've seen some major shifts. And I think uh, Joanne was explaining that earlier, that those markets that tended to lean more heavily towards the on-trade or perhaps tra travel retail have clearly taken major hits. And those markets that were off-trade or take-home is more of a bias, um, they have uh, managed to take uh, again. And so I think those two things put together um, from a country tour point of view, we probably have more positives than negatives. Um, so in that regard, we've been fortunate. In the UK, um, we are heavily biased towards the off-trade. So uh, I think the UK market, the volume in the market is roughly 85% in the off-trade, or it was 15% in the on-trade. Our business is roughly 90% in the off-trade. So um, our exposure to grocery and impulses is, is much greater. And I think it's, I would like to sort of point out at this point is the challenges that therefore we face in the UK are, are, you know, are insignificant compared to the challenges that the hospitality sector has had to go through and is still, of course, going, going through. So, um, you know, I think the context is very important in that regard. Um, in terms of the market, clearly we've seen, as Chancellor says, a big shift towards in-home consumption, the off-trade has clearly picked that up. 
Um, and the, uh, the, the general off-trade market has gone from sort of the last decade of ongoing slow 1% or 2% volume declines each year uh, to very significant double-digit growth since March, so uh, February, March. So that, that is a big change. Um, and, and the declines in the on-trade have been more than compensated by the growth in the, in the, in the off-trade. Impulse has made very significant gains, obviously, as people move to more local shopping um, early on. That's tend to soften a bit more now as people feel more comfortable or getting back into super, supermarkets has been more uh, possible. Grocery have seen, of course, through the supermarkets have seen major increases in beers, wines and spirits um, uh, sales. Um, and uh, our business is reflective of that, really. So, you know, we have, you know, we have to count ourselves as very fortunate as having had our, our routes to market, our channels fully open at a time when many others had them shut down due to no fault of their own. So in that regard, we have to see ourselves as very, 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 very fortunate. I'd say where we've benefited uh, is uh, strategically has been, and what's been a particular interest for us, I think, and our key customers, has been the role of insights. So if you have good insights, if you have a view, even if that view turns out not to be it very much helps with decision-making. And yeah. having a team here, we have a sort of team that very focused ex-FMCG uh, background team that really understand uh, the value of insights and what role it can play and how we can share and interact with our key customers, what they're seeing to try and get some kind of idea in a very fast-moving situation, what was going to happen next. And, and that really led us on to two things. One was really building up inventory um, investing in inventory, having the right products in the right place. That was critical. Obviously, our wines are made in South America, so getting them here takes time. So we had to make sure that that was properly planned. <clears throat> of course, it was harvest time in South America at the time this all kicked off. So that was another complication that had to be managed. And the second part, really, I think, which has come out of this has been a sort of more um, defined role of brands. And so we've been investing very heavily. That's our thing. I guess I would say that that's our thing is we've been investing very heavily in building brand awareness. So we put both of our, our key brands on terrestrial television for the first time and made major uh, investments in really building uh, more brand awareness. And I think one of the points that a lot of the big FMCG brands have picked up on is that in times of crisis, customers do seek reassurance in the familiar um, and they want optimism in the communication. So uh, making sure people know you're there and you're there with a positive message has a lot of uh, value. Also have to recognise that, of course, in supermarkets in particular, and I guess in Impulse 2, shoppers had less time to browse, so they tended to gravitate towards the things they knew. Maybe that was brands, mm -hmm. familiar products, and in the case of wine, obviously that was uh, an advantage for us. I think uh, looking uh, ahead and, and so what is the legacy of all of this? What's going to happen next? I think a lot will depend on which of those new occasions, those in-home consumption occasions stick. Um, obviously, uh, if uh, hopefully this vaccination program gets rolled out quickly and confidence is restored, uh, hopefully the on-trade will pick, elements of the on-trade will pick back up again. Uh, we'll see how cautious consumers are. Um, how many of those sort of in-home experiences move? You know, will we see the return of the dinner party as people are a bit more cautious? And therefore, is that another opportunity for wine? Um, 
for example, will we see the return of overseas holidays? Of course, staycations have has helped a UK wine market, off-trade wine market recently. So that's a qualifier, I guess, for what everybody's trying to predict. The big area, which I think has been picked up twice already for us, is, is online and, and the big shift to online. And wine previously really under-traded was underrepresented in, in online and still is, um, but the, the, I saw some Cantar figures yesterday, which were quite remarkable that online wine sales have grown. At the time, the off-trade grew at 15%. Online has grown at nearly 80%. And penetration, which was around about 8%, 8% of households bought their wine online, it has moved to now to nearly 15%. And that, that's only, sorry, 13%. That's only really through the major platforms. So you haven't really captured in that, that number all the new initiatives, all the um, local activities, activities, the direct-to-consumer um, platforms that have been developed by some of these local wineries. So I think that's really interesting. And I think once you've broken down that kind of perceived barrier of shoppers buying their wine online, I think that's permanent. And I, I'm, I, for one, have really enjoyed, for example, English Wine Week. I really enjoyed going direct to wineries and you know, sampling wines that I wouldn't normally have been able to get access to. So I think that's a really important change. And that's good for us as brand owners because we can communicate and use our digital assets more effectively. We can tell stories, communicate with shoppers and consumers. Um, It's great for smaller operators who can either do their own thing, direct to consumers, or use the many new platforms that are being uh, developed. I think it's great for customers because there's so much more choice. So I think that's a really attractive uh, development. And then the last point I would raise really, I think is, and again, a legacy of what's happened has been this sort of renewed engagement in wine. People have had to spend, not, not a big chore, but people have spent a lot of time with wine in the last few months um, and they've made new discoveries. Mm-hmm. I think that rep, that presents a real opportunity for all of us, either to trade up or for wine to become more relevant as mm-hmm. consumption generally. We've seen the return of bag in box, for, for instance. So the, you know, people are savvy early on when you can only buy three items of goods in the grocers. People were actually picking up three boxes of wine and getting the equivalent of nine bottles instead of three. Actually, people have seen the benefit and the re, if you like, been reintroduced to the benefits of bag in box. So I think wherever you are on the price spectrum, there's new and renewed engagement in wine. And I think that has to be a positive thing. Very good, thank you. That's a very succinct summary of the, the, the trading environment um, uh, from from your side, at any rate. The just a couple of things. I, th- I believe in your portfolio. I think you have got um, some wines where sustainability is a key part of the brand identity. Yes. And with the with the work that your insights team has done, what are you hearing about the response to sustainability and organics? in the off-trade at the moment? Yeah, we, we have it, particularly Connoisseur and also Bonterra in, um, in California. Um, yes, there's a, well, there's a, certainly a drive on, the, on behalf of retailers to stock more organic uh, brands, so that's good, and I think there'll be better representation of that, either as a, a category in its own right or general representative rep- representation of organic wines. Um, I think what we're seeing is, is genuine, genuine, engagement and interest in the whole sustainability field. I think the area, the point that we talk about internally a lot is that sustainability is, is actually quite a complex area and trying to distill the whole field of sustainability down into simple consumer messaging 
is quite a challenge. Um, so I think there is a real desire to understand where their wine, where, where wines come from. Um, you know, it, 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 there is a genuine engagement in the product and how that product is made. And so I think if you've got a real sustainability credentials, if sustainability is at the heart of whatever you're doing, then I think you have a real advantage for the future. How you then translate that into a communication, whether it's through a label or through your campaigns, is another matter. But I think if you've got that uh, as a central uh, part of your proposition, then your potential for being able to engage uh, with customers, particularly new and younger uh, customers, is going to be really important. Mm. That's look. Uh, I think that's absolutely spot on. Fascinating. And the uh, a follow-on question from that is: You've got wines in your range that are from specific parts of, say, Chile. So they might be Casablanca Valley or Limerie or somewhere like that. But one of the questions here is: Have you noticed any increased curiosity in provenance of wines? Um, maybe through increased sales in that in the in, in those categories. Yes, within a certain audience, there is interest in provenance. Um, I think we are most of our proposition is sort of mainstream brands, so we appeal to people that are engaged with wine, but perhaps not so engaged with wine. They want to know every element of it, um, but there is genuine interest in in provenance, and I think. Uh, Chile's diversity often comes not just from grape variety, but from provenance. And I think that's great representation of the different uh, climates and, and uh, areas within that country. Um, so there is interest. I think it depends on the price position you're prepared to sell at and explain it through, um, and also whether your consumers actually want to know that. But it depend, depends on where you're retailing your, your, your brands to and, and which audience you're trying to attract, but it's an important part for some, yes. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I think your uh, point about the challenge for wines of communicating its sustainability credentials to the consumer, I think that's a theme we will return to frequently over the next two no years. Um, it is the, it, it, yes, it is the hardest thing at the moment, I think. Now, I've been sort of following the chat. There's been an awful lot of chat, mainly about virtual tastings and uh, most recently, largely about ideal bottle sizes for virtual tastings. Um, Jancis, I think you're, <laughs> you have probably received a wider range of bottles over the last eight months. I don't months. want to look behind <laughs> me. <laughs> Indeed. So what are, what, are, what are your views on that in terms of, one, um, how well protected, how, how the, the quality of the wines and how well they've been preserved? And secondly, in terms of what sort of size you, you think works, works well for your needs? Yeah. Well, for, I think for, for wine writers, uh, which is very, very different from for wine, general wine consumers. And it was lovely to hear Sam talking about how successful your online experiences have been. And I think those will probably continue. And Rose Murray Brown has been saying how brilliant it's been for her as an educator or as running um, wine courses. Uh, you know, our online tastings must be wonderful. But it is very tricky, this question of how big the bottle should be. I will say that I've had um, I had a, a, a Burgundy a tasting of Burgundy cask samples last week from Druin, which were admittedly in quite generous sized bottles. I think they were twenty centiliters, very cute little bottles actually. Um, and they, you know, you would think 
casks, armsoles of Burgundy would be pretty fragile. Um, they were sent over in 75 centiliter bottles to their importer, Paul Roger, and Paul put them back, decanted them into the 20 centiliters and, and did a little bit of argon, I think. And they were, seemed to me to be in, in great shape. Um, I can see this problem of a whole of a 75 centiliter bottle being too much for many households, particularly when when we're in lockdown and you, you can't invite all your friends around to share the bottle. Wouldn't that be nice? I think in the future, there probably will be quite a lot of consumer online tastings where you do invite your friends and and you have enough people to drain a 75 cent, several 75 centiliter bottles. Um, I, the, the Wine Australia has been doing 10 centiliter bottles um, that, I don't know if it's psychological. They just, they just, they look quite medicinal, or uh, <laughs> or perhaps chemical, or something. Um, it, somehow they they are very different from from a bottle of wine. But I, I haven't seen um, terrible wine faults in them. Um, Perhaps, perhaps once we're not locked down anymore, we can go. We can, we needn't worry about this so much and start sending seventy-five centiliter bottles around, except for professional tastings where it's a rare wine and and you've got to share it very preciously. Indeed, do you think? I mean, the yes, the twenty cl size, uh, I, I I know looks quite generous. Um, one of the kits I saw was actually two cl. Yes. Have you received those as well? I haven't, but Julia Harding, my colleague, has. Um, and it's very small, isn't it? Two centimetres. Mm. And I don't pour, I, when I'm at a tasting, I never pour a very big sample. But um, she she was very good and said, well, it, it focused my mind and, you know, it meant I couldn't go back to it. <laughs> but I think two centimetres is a bit too small, frankly. It, it, I agree. But I, I've received two or three packs with 2CL, and I've just been astonished. Actually, I feel I've been able to taste them absolutely fine. Yeah. It's a mouthful. Well, perhaps um, I'll try it and, and love it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. There's all sorts of content. I mean, I think um, my own experience has been as, a, um, as an observer and as a trade professional, I've just enjoyed receiving the sample bottles or ordering them in, in the smaller sizes. And I found that's worked really well. And I think people have done a very good job of, of preparing them. Um, and with and the corporate... on the sustainability front, it has to be said, I mean, I have got so many 75 centiliter bottles here <laughs> with, you know, maybe three centiliters, four centiliters taken out of them. Uh, Receptionists mm. in our building and are, are doing so well, but it is so wasteful. Uh, that's very true. But I think with the corporate events I've been doing and educational wine tastings for groups, um, very often 75CL does work for those because they can they can drink them over the weekend if it's on a Thursday or Friday or whatever. And I do find I've spent a lot of my time explaining to people how best to keep wines fresh once the bottle has been opened. I'm um, terribly worried that it... it it deteriorates immediately aren't they 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 are which you know is a good excuse to have another glass i suppose but uh, yes they, they can generally last longer than that um and really i'm really pleased to see the little fine wine company getting a shout out in the chat here which mm. i think many of us are familiar with vicky stevens clarkson and they've been doing a really good job and they yeah, very high quality wines in their selection, I think. Um, there's a question here going back to sustainability. Um, 
Joanne, I'm going to address this to you, if I may. Can you name sustainability practices that you have implemented during the pandemic and which will be part of your ongoing practices afterwards? Is there anything that you've had time to bring in that recently that you'd like to comment on? Uh, yes, uh, actually, we have a very nice example of that because uh, we are in the process to launch uh, this uh, springtime the uh, Raiman Natural Park, which is uh, uh, the, the picture you see in my background. And uh, there is a lot of interest because I think that people, what they want in sit, which is also nice, uh, visiting a winery and visiting so many barrels and so on. Uh, for us, uh, we, we saw that it was interesting to open our vineyards to the public and especially where we have a uh, huge biodiversity because we are lucky to manage uh, such a big farm which is managing like a piece of territory where it's not only vineyards, it's plenty of uh, life, uh, forest and, and all kinds of crops other than vineyards. And we, we don't allow the hunting in, in, the, in our vineyards, so there is... Uh, plenty of, of, of life. Of, uh, we have identified more than 50 birds in different species. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will open this, this park to the public because um, what we want is to share uh, this nature. And, and we have noticed that a huge interest on that because I think that people want to go out and to enjoy from nature. And uh, more than probably traveling uh, to the other side of the world, uh, trying to enjoy what we have close to home and, and just uh, enjoy a place and, and have a glass of wine and, and probably thinking more on, on own uh, health and, and, and nature. No? So I, I think that there's a special sensitivity now on, on all those issues. And this project, I think, is a good example that... Um, Probably some things will change, uh, thinking more in, in nature and protection and sustainability at the end. Good for you. An excellent initiative and one that I, I, I really hope will, will work for you in terms of attracting visitors in the future. Well, our hour is just about up. Um, thanks so much to all four of you for your contributions. That's been terrific. Really appreciate it and keep up the good work. Hopefully you'll be able to attend some of the other sessions over the next couple of days and uh, we'll see you at uh, future conferences uh, next year and, and after. And Jancis, I think, I, I suspect you've been following the chat, but um, if your receptionist is struggling with the amount of samples downstairs, there's quite a few people who would like to apply <laughs> the job. Anyway, thank you very much all. Jancis, Simon, Sam, Joanne, wonderful to see you all. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you.